Welcome to a podcast by Kaylee, the gateway to unlocking your unlimited potential. I'm creating an army of six and seven figure makeup artists, and I want you to join me. In this podcast, I'm going to be crushing gatekeeping, opening the doors to the knowledge you need and deep diving into the topics that can push us to the next level. Be prepared for epic guests and answers to the questions you have always wanted to know. No more small business, no more just a makeup artist. The beauty industry is a $250 billion industry and you're in it. Let's get ready to open those gates. This is a podcast by Kaylee. Today, we are talking to Marissa Grace Artistry. I have a little story about this guest. During season three of my mentorship, I was chatting to one of my students, Hannah, about her Instagram faves, and she told me about Marissa's content and how I would absolutely love it. When I checked her out, I was hooked. Marissa perfectly treads the line between creating content for both stylists, educating them in her community, and educating her brides and clients. I absolutely loved her post on her income journey so far, from earning 6K at the very, very beginning of her business to going to 260K a year in year seven, which was 2022. I just love her honesty. I love how she's a true girl's girl. And it's safe to say I just have the biggest girl crush on her. Today, we chat about the glass ceiling on our income in beauty and how it actually doesn't exist. We chat about the common misconceptions of the beauty industry and how to truly grow and step up your content and your income. Get ready for a goodie. This is Marissa Grace Artistry. This is a question from myself, to be honest. I would love to know your background as I've been following you for like a year and a half now. I want to know, how did you get started in the world of hair? And it used to be makeup, right? Yes. Which when you said that in the questions you had sent me, I was like, oh, I forget about that. (laughs) So, um, so my journey really started. I mean, I take it back to like when I was 15, if you want the long story, but I'll shorten it up a little bit for you. I've always been into hair. Like when I go back and look at my like seventh and eighth grade yearbooks in the yearbook, when it was like, what do you want to be when you grow up? Hairstylist. I was always known as the girl who did hair. And like at that time, I used to love braiding my hair. So I would braid my whole hair. I would go into school with like every butterfly clip imaginable. And I won like best of hair in like eighth grade. And that was like my biggest accomplishment to date. (laughs) But um, I just always wanted to do hair. So in uh, when I was 15, first job shampooing at a salon. So salon mentality started very early on for me. And then the salon I worked at was actually known for doing proms. We were known as like the prom salon for like the high schools around. So I was always introduced to updos and I always loved updos. Everybody did cuts in color and updos were like Saturdays for the prom. So it wasn't like at that time, you know, you just do one thing. So I don't know. It was always like you go to cosmetology school. So I took those steps. I went to cosmetology school right out of high school. I was the only one of my friends who did that. Right out of beauty school, I went and worked at the salon I was working at and was able to start assisting. So I started assisting and that was like a newer salon. So it was very difficult to build a book for somebody like me who was new. It wasn't an established salon, if that makes sense. So it was like pretty difficult for me. I also realized at that time, like salon culture, I, I felt bullied at that salon. 
um, like the owner. I just remember a time I wore yoga pants and like a zebra print tank top. And she took me in the back room and said, you came in like the wrong outfit. Like this isn't the correct outfit. And she was just really coming down hard on me, said that I need to either do an up. This is my first experience doing an up to, by the way, on a real human. She said, you need to either do perform yoga in the middle of the salon at 12 PM or take this flower girl and do an updo on her for the wedding that she's in. And I was like, on the verge of tears. And I'm like, I guess I'm doing this up too. So I had no idea what I was doing. The stylist at the time that I was assisting under, she, I was right next to her in the chair and she could just feel like the stress that I was under and like on the verge of a panic attack. So thank God, like she came over and helped me out. Um, but I was just like crushed after that experience. So then I went on and worked at two other salons Um, But that experience really just kind of shaped the salon culture for me and kind of like tainted it. So I was kind of over the salon world. And then that was about like two years later, I decided, you know what, I'm not cut out to be a hairstylist. This life isn't for me. I'm done. So I went and did medical billing. I did. I went into the corporate world, total 360. Oh my gosh. So many of us do that though. We all do this. (laughs) Yeah, we all do it. Um, And I was like very excited about it. I don't know what, like when I look back at it now, I was like very excited to like wear, you know, corporate clothes, take the train to work. I don't know why. Like I was excited to work in the city and do something new and sit down and not have to be standing all the time. So as soon as I got that job, like I still had salon friends and stylists, as soon as I got that job, I was there maybe a month. It was October 2013. And my friend Stacy that I worked with at a salon, we went to beauty school together. She was like telling me how she just got this job doing weddings and working for a company. And I remember feeling so jealous. I was like, what? She goes to hotels in the city and does just updos. And then she leaves and goes home. She doesn't even have to go in a salon. You're kidding me. You are kidding. I was like so jealous, but I didn't want to be like, oh my God, I want to work there too. You know, she was like really excited about, they did hair and makeup. So this was when that was really popping off in this area. That wasn't something I knew of in the salon. It was like maybe once in a while, a stylist would leave and do a wedding party, but that was very not normal. So her working for this company, I was like, wow, that's different. And then as it happened, they needed help on a wedding because it was a larger bridal party. So she asked me, she was like, Hey, do you want to help on this wedding for the company I work for? I was like, absolutely. Sure. So without even meeting the owner or anything, which happens a lot, um, I just went down to center city. I worked with my friend, Stacy. We were at like the Ritz Carlton hotel in Philadelphia, which is like the nicest hotel. I was not even nervous. I was like very excited. I'm like, I do updos really well. If we had photos, that would be a different story. But I just did hair. So after doing that, the owner reached out to me and she asked me to work for the company. And she said she was a makeup artist. She didn't do hair, but she had another like lead hairstylist. And she basically said like, would you be interested in doing like hair and makeup? So that's how I got into makeup because I wanted to work for this team. So obviously I wanted to look good. So I started doing makeup 
for that team. So that way I could do more things and get more bookings. So I would work at my corporate job Monday to Friday, then Saturdays and Sundays, I would do weddings. So I was working like 24 seven or at that time. But that's how I got into makeup. And then I'm like, there's just so much more. Where do we go from here? (laughs) That was a lot. So kind of what made you niche into back into hair? Because obviously hair was the first love, then you took on makeup. Do you still do makeup? I don't think you do, right? No, 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 <laughs> um, no. <laughs> so I did makeup with that company and then eventually did my own company doing hair and makeup because that's all I knew at the time. That was all I knew. That's what I, that was the background I was coming from. So niching down into just hair was super scary for me. Um, and it took a really long time to get there to just do hair. It took a long time for me to change my business name. I used to be like pretty on arrival. So to change it to Marissa Grace Artistry, that was like a year long mental struggle. So uh, in 2016, I started my own company and stopped working for that team. So I was still doing hair and makeup. And it wasn't until COVID hit And I was just in such pain that really pushed me to do just hair. It's like I always knew in the back of my mind that that's what I wanted to do, but I didn't trust myself enough that that was the right path to go. So I held on to hair and makeup for so long because my mindset was... You, you can't make money if you're only doing one service. You have to offer everything. And also when you're talking to people outside of the industry who are like your family or friends who don't understand, they're going to be like, every time you would say like, oh, what do you do? Blah, blah, blah. And they're like, oh my God, I have this business idea for you. You can offer makeup touch-up kits. You could sell this. You could sell that. You could do this. You could, do- you know what? You need to offer makeup parties for just young girls And have them all at your house. And I'm like, yeah, you would eat it up. I would eat it up because I was like so uninformed of like how to have a business. And the thought of just doing one service, just offering hair for brides, not doing any other kind of service was like, that. that's not going to make money. That doesn't make sense. Like it didn't logically make sense. And it's like, you have to let that go. And it wasn't until I was in so much pain of like, how am I going to pay my rent? How am I going to like afford this lifestyle when everything was taken away from me when COVID happened because all my jobs were taken away? So it was kind of like, I have nothing else left to lose. I might as well try this out. So that's how I got into just bridal hair. Honestly, some of the worst business advice I've ever received has been from friends and family. It's awful, isn't it? Why do we listen to them? Why do we let them take up brain space? (laughs) You know know what's crazy? It's like it just keeps coming, doesn't it? But I would never give anyone advice on their job because I I have no idea what they're doing. Like I'm not in a position to give them advice. So I'm just like, oh, but everybody kind of gets involved when you have your own business, don't they? It's so interesting. It's so interesting too, because now I think with social media, a lot of people, they, they want to be a part of things. They like being a part of a journey. And when you tell someone you're an entrepreneur, it's like, that is so scary to them. That is so risky. So they want to be a part of it. They want to be a part of that journey and feel like they're making an impact, but they also just want to keep you safe. Yeah. It comes from a place of love, but sometimes I'm like, ah, so much bad advice. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) 
thank God we have people like you sharing the good advice. And you. Oh my goodness. But we'll get to that later. I've got questions on that. (laughs) So it sounds like, and I think every hairstylist and every makeup artist and every entrepreneur, it's like, it's like this, isn't it? It's like peaks and troughs. You go through such a journey and it sounds like you had quite the journey with your mindset. Was there a defining moment for you or was it simply COVID that changed your mindset around from that scarcity tape saying yes to every booking and doing all the things? Was there a moment that it just clicked for you? I think so. I think COVID really was the defining moment because there was also a defining moment when I left my corporate job to do this full time. But I wasn't in that like survival mode versus when I was when COVID hit, I had to flip a switch and go into survival mode. And for me, I'm the type of person that I'm learning when I get put in a survival mode situation is when I have the best business ideas, because it's like all that fear gets washed away. And it's kind of like you have to take action. You're being forced to which makes me a little nervous to even say this because I'm like, oh my God, the universe is going to throw something my way. (laughs) But I think COVID really was that defining moment of like, oh shit, like I have to make this work. Leaving my corporate job, yes, I had to make it work, but I had savings and I was able to afford the lifestyle I had because I had downsized all of my bills so much that I was able to afford it just working a few weddings. So it wasn't as painful for me yet. I feel like change comes when you're went with like painful moments. So COVID really taking everything away from me and me having, it was me having to be on, um, what is it called? Uh, the like assistance when you don't have a job. Yeah. Over here, we call it like government benefits. Yeah. They, they help you out sometimes and compensate you if things aren't too peachy. Yes. Yes. A lot of people during COVID were able to get that, which was amazing. I was able to sustain our lifestyle and, you know, you know, keep like the rent going and everything like that. But like, Brad, my husband, he also had his job. So we literally had only the workers uh, coming in to assist us at that time. So for me, my biggest fear in taking this career path was always, I would always call my mom up and be like, what if I can't pay my bills? Like the biggest fear for me was always having to ask my mom for money. So I was at that point when COVID hit. So that really changed my mindset and kind of propelled me to like, okay, we're going to let our ego step aside. Clearly that like fake it till you make it mentality that I had from salon culture. It was like, oh, you don't know what you're doing. So you're going to fake it till you make it. You don't want to ever seem like a beginner in the salon. And I was a total beginner still in 2020. Like my hairstyles were like not good. And I never had education because nobody would ever come to town, like there wasn't online education. So I started doing online education and I was like, oh, I was like glued to every kind of education that I could get at that point. So I was just taking a bunch of online courses and putting it into practice right away because I was like, I want to see fast results. So I was like, just day in, day out practicing and just really trying to change my mindset of it's okay to be a beginner. It's okay to start at any time. And you know what? If there is, if I just keep doing this, I'm going to be better than I was, you know, six months ago. I'm going to be able to take this thing where I want to go and get out of this like COVID hole that I like was in. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, yeah, that COVID hole. Trust me, I was there with you. I was there yeah. with you. It's a deep hole, but we got out. We got out. So there is one post of yours. I can't remember when you posted it. It was quite a while ago. I've got the name here and it was it was a post on Instagram called How I Went From 6K A Year to 260K A Year. Do you remember that post? That was a good one. That was a bloody good one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Honestly, I go back to that post continuously because I think it's so inspirational. I'll link that post in the show notes and everything. It's bookmarked. I literally can show you right now. Let me show you. I bet I can find it. Are you ready? Ha <laughs> <laughs> That's so cool. <laughs> I literally loved that post because you just, the gates were open. You didn't, you were sharing everything that you had learned and every bit of data. I'm such a data-driven person. I love it when people have like- Me too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We are twinning. I will guide everyone towards that post because I don't want to like rehash all the amazing work that you put into it. But obviously 6K to 260K, amazing journey. And it wasn't done overnight. You detail in that post, every hurdle, every mindset block, everything. But if you could pull Mm -hmm. out two or three things that were quite pivotal in that journey to 260K, what would they be? Is there anything that changed the game for you? Uh, So one, going from 6K to 260K, what I want people to know is that was like, I think like a seven year gap. However, once I made it like my absolute goal, I'm a very goal driven person. And if I am in what I think I'm learning now being in this new season that I'm in, that was my hustle year. And I think uh, people get a lot of flack for a hustle year um, because of hustle culture, which is toxic. Yes and no. I think you really need that hustle year if you want to see fast results. Once I had that hustle mindset, that sacrifice mindset, that like, some things that I don't think people understand that I didn't really dive into in that post was in that sacrifice hustle year, like me and Brad weren't going out on dates. I didn't go to family events. I wasn't hanging out with friends. Also, I'm a very introverted person. So like that doesn't really help my social battery. But like I really looking back on it now was I sacrificed everything. I didn't care. All I cared about was feeling like to myself that I had made it, which was making six figures in services. So everything else flew by the wayside. You know, like I actually gained a lot of weight because I didn't care about like eating right. Girl. Yeah. I feel you. I feel you. Yeah. So like I was just hustle mindset, sacrificed everything, which helped me be extremely consistent and being consistent and showing up for my business and myself and and taking everything that I had learned or that I was seeing online, like even just like YouTube videos, constantly trying to up-level my mindset and myself and feeding myself the right like mentalities other than listening to outside sources who weren't in the position of where I wanted to be. So if you weren't in the position of where I wanted to be, we weren't, we weren't chatting, we weren't talking. I was just so focused on, I want to make six figures. And then it was, I want to double it, which was when I got to the 260K. So in 2021, that was the year I made six figures. In 2022, that was the year I made, I doubled what I made the year before without even realizing it, which is like 
wild. And that post actually came from, I have a newsletter. It's called Diary of the Bridal Pro, where I just, oh, are you on it? I'm, I love that newsletter. I love it. <laughs> That's where that came from. Um, because I found that, you know, I can't, I don't really like talking about those things on Instagram. That one was hard for me to share because I have a lot of clients who follow me. And I think sometimes people find it cringe if you talk about how much you make. But I realized that all the people that I love and where I want to go, they talk about what they make and that doesn't cringe me out. So I was like, why not start sharing some roadmaps that could be helpful for people in our industry? But back to to your point, I feel like it was really giving myself that sacrifice year it was actually like two, two-ish years and being in that season and being completely committed in that season, making sure that my efforts and actions aligned with the consistency of where I wanted to go and knowing that I was in that season. That season isn't needed for every part of your business, but that's what lit the match in the flame to really take it off and be able to, I think, double it so easily. I cannot agree with you more, actually, because I feel like I feel the same. I tell my students that there are going to be seasons in your business where you're going to need to hustle your ass off. You're going to need to do that. This hustle culture does get a lot of flack, but I do think it's a necessary component to goal setting. It is. It is. (laughs) It's almost gone the other way now where we're now toxically telling people to not hustle and nobody's getting anything done. I kind of feel like we're there. You know, we need to be in the middle. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, So so what season of business and life are you in right now? I love that you asked me this because I am in my balance error. And I just, I was so inspired by an Instagram post I saw that I wrote, I started up my newsletter again and I wrote this like whole post on it because I was like, this makes sense. This is where I'm at. And I couldn't pinpoint it. But right now it is like so strange. I just got married a couple months ago and it is so strange what happens once you get married. I'm like family babies. I need balance. I don't, I'm not in survival mode anymore. Do you know what I mean? Like, and being self-aware and coming out of that, I'm like, Oh, okay. How does this look? How can I make this work for me? Balance error. So I'm in a season of like, I want to, I want to work less but make the same. So I want to do less, but earn the same amount. So I want to earn what I did last year, but by working less last year, I worked a hundred weddings. So this year I'm only working 70, which doesn't seem like a lot to me, but it's still a lot. It's a, it's a lot of work, but I'm definitely working less right now in a sense of like, I used to take bridal parties of eight, which to some people might not seem like a lot, but my services are like 45 minutes per person, an hour to an hour and a half for a bride. Sometimes I do an hour for bridesmaids. Leaning more on having assistance on every single wedding with me, which has been helpful. That's balancing things out for me right now to work less Um, and just kind of figuring out like what my life will look like once like I start having building our family. And like, I just kind of feel like in a little like love bubble right now where I just like I want to be with my husband all the time, you know, and I want to like just go on vacations And it's bringing me back to why I even started this career path. Like I remember being at my corporate job on my breaks on lunch break and like looking up like vacation spots that I could take or like how to, how to the like four hour work week 
and just how to work less and just travel everywhere. I'm a Sagittarius. So like travel is like, that's top tier for me. But in my hustle year, I let that go. And I wasn't traveling. We weren't going anywhere. So now I'm feeling more in that balance of like, there's got to be more. And I, I have the systems in place where I can keep my marketing up without me really... I can... It feels weird for me to say that I can really work like four hours a week, even all my emails. And I'm like, but like the mindset that I need to shift right now is like, that's okay. Why is that not enough? Like, I always feel like I need to be doing more. You you don't. Sometimes that is enough. If that's all you need and your clients are supported and you still have income coming in and you're, you're booking brides, that's enough. Like, that's what I always set my my goal to was to have a four hour work week. Now I have it. And I'm like, oh, I need to do more. So that, that's like the the life error that I'm in right now season. I love that. I so, so agree with operating your life and your business seasonally, seasons of rest, mm-hmm. seasons of hustle. That's called balance, right? Yeah. Yeah. I actually, I wanted to congratulate you on a couple of things. First of all, congratulations on your wedding. I was invested in the journey on Instagram stories. <laughs> Thank you. That is so kind. Thank you. And I also want to congratulate you because 260K is no mean feat. And you did that, girl. You did that. So congratulations. That's huge. (laughs) Obviously, like you've probably, I talk about this with a lot of my guests, being in the beauty industry, we come up against a lot of mindsets from other people where they think that we will never even make it to 30K, let alone 50K, let alone 260K. Yeah. They are not very well educated on what we do and the amount of money that we can earn. Mm Mm-hmm. Limitless. Right. Say that again, girl. What is it? It's limitless. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like this mindset can sometimes trickle into our community. You've probably spoken to younger stylists and new stylists and new artists who don't believe that they can earn that level of income. Do you have anything to say to them right now? To the artist who's at 6K wondering, I will never get to 260. What would you say to them? I would say one, it is possible. It is 3000% possible. And that is the only reason why I always share my income because I was that stylist who never thought it was possible. So when you're in that, you need to look at what am I doing? Are my actions aligning with the goal that I have set up for myself? If your goal is to reach $100,000 that first year, is going to be tough. You need to look at what actions you're doing because I'll I'll be honest, when I was doing that, like when I first, 6K was my first year. So let's go back to that, where my mindset was and what actions I was taking. None. I wasn't taking any actions. I I was doing the bare minimal. And the bare minimal to me was signing up for Wedding Wire, believing that being on Wedding Wire and paying that $200, $300 a month, whatever it was at the time, was going to bring clients into me sitting back and waiting. That's not not how it's going to happen. You have to take actions. And if you're like, well, what are the actions? People tell me I need to show up on Instagram, but... If you have a mindset about Instagram of, I have to post today. Oh my God, I hate Instagram. That's never going to get you anywhere. 
you already know that that's where your clients are hanging out. So you need to build a system to start showing up on there. It's going to be uncomfortable. You need to feel the uncomfortability of starting something new and knowing that you're not going to be great at first. You're going to be a beginner and that's okay. It's okay to be a beginner and not be great. Like scroll back on my feed. I've gone through a couple different transformations on there. And also taking small actions can still push your needle forward. Like what I mean is like when I started showing up on Instagram and really putting my full, you know, efforts and actions into it as my marketing funnel for my clients, I wasn't showing up perfectly polished because that's, that's what held me back from showing up to begin with. I was no Yolanda Astor, no Tonya stylist. So that's why I didn't show up for so long, but just showing up and posting my work, then I would look at it and be like, I need to be better. So then I would have content days. I would have models come in. I would, you take those steps to make it better. Once you start taking that action, it's like, you need to get the momentum started and you're not going to get the momentum started if you're not taking any actions to begin with. So if you're making only $6,000 a year, start asking yourself different questions. Why am I not taking these actions? What is holding me back? And also, I love Alex Hermosi and Layla Hermosi. Literally, they are. I love them. They taught me something called inverse thinking. And inverse thinking is, okay, I'm making $6,000 a year. How can I not make $6,000 a year? It's a total mindset shift because it's like, it's going to show you those actions that you're taking now and what you should be doing instead. So how to not make $6,000 a year would be do hair and makeup services starting out, offer any and every kind of service, not have a niche. So doing boho, bridal, hair, makeup, color, spray tans, lashes, waxing, everything. It would be to, because that's only going to confuse people, it would be showing up on Instagram once a week, once a month, and thinking that that is going to push your needle forward. It would be only relying on you know paid ads like Wedding Wire and The Knot. I feel like those three things... They really are going to block you from seeing financial success fast. In my experience, those three things, when I changed them, when I went down to one service, when I only started doing, you know, glam waves and buns, when I started showing up consistently and not relying on paid ads and just decided to be more organic and showing up on Instagram instead, those three things really pushed the needle forward when I threw consistency behind it. And started just continuing to show up no matter what. This podcast is brought to you by The Level Up Club, my monthly membership for makeup artists. Imagine a place created with done for you monthly resources and coaching, literally everything you need to create and scale a profitable, thriving makeup business. Well, it exists and it's called the Level Up Club. I am so proud of this membership. I literally poured my heart and soul into it. Inside, you will find monthly Canva templates, monthly stock images, social media calendars, email templates, workflows, pro program lists, agency lists, monthly coaching and conversations with the people who can help smash gatekeeping. I'm talking agency owners, PRs, 
top makeup artists and experts. They're all inside. And not only that, but monthly in-person events. We have already held portfolio days, headshot days, branding days, and so much more is coming. The club is taking the mystery out of making money. Your makeup business doesn't have to be make-believe, and I'm showing you how. And guess what? It's only £30 a month. In London, that's literally two hot chocolates. I'm not even kidding. So come and join us, the only membership I promise you'll ever need. Now, back to the pod. Yes, yes, yes. This is gold. Thank you so much. Ah. (laughs) I just, I couldn't agree with you more. The thing that I live by is small business energy equals small business output. Big business energy equals big business results. 3,000%. 3,000. I want to tattoo that on my face. (laughs) (laughs) So can we talk about your content? Yeah. Oh my goodness. Because I think your content is, I mean, I send students to it all the time. I think you seriously have some of the best content out there in the educational space. Oh my God. (laughs) And I haven't even been posting much education. Thank you. So one thing I think that you do really, really well that I want everybody to go and look at right now is you create content on almost your single platform for stylists and for brides. And this kind of goes against the grain of advice. Got to have two. You got to separate them. You got to have one Instagram account for this, one Instagram account for that. You're like an example of it working for you serving both on one account, right? Yeah. I mean, I guess that was my hope. (laughs) (laughs) That was my hope. Can you talk us through the decision behind not splitting it? What was the decision behind just keeping it all on one? Um, so the decision was I wanted to one start showcasing the possibilities of the opportunities that I was seeing for myself, the the success that I was seeing for myself that made me so excited. I wanted to kind of share that journey to show that it was possible. And I found that a lot more stylists were following me. And a lot of my uh, bridal clients, actually, they would come into their hair trials and appointments and things. And they were saying like, Oh, I love your business content. Like, I love when you talk about marketing. And I'm like, Oh, okay. Um, and also when I was in the throes of COVID, I also had thought my mind was like racing of like different business ideas. And very early on, I wanted to do coaching, mentoring, which I still want to do. So I wanted to do that. So that's why I started doing educational content. It was very uncomfortable for me to post things other than my brides. So I started posting more educational content and I realized that that was kind of working for me. So in all honesty, it was never, uh, no, maybe I did have a moment where I was like, Hmm, maybe I should split it, but it felt like starting over. And I didn't feel like doing that at that time. I felt like they meshed really well. So I kind of was just like, let's see where this goes. And I feel like it kind of works for me. Brides like seeing that kind of content as well. The business content, it does blend well with brides too, but you're right. I mean, sometimes you're like, should I have two accounts? Should I not? But I guess I didn't give much thought to it. And I just kept with it. And I also have bigger following on that platform too. But then what happened was when I started posting more business content, and I love doing that. And you know, hopefully one day I do want to get into like mentoring and stuff like that. I just like, I love sharing like, 
marketing and all that stuff. I could talk about it for hours. But what I found was a lot of that stuff are like stories that come directly from my clients who follow me. And I'm like, I can't share that. So that's why I started my newsletter or sometimes I'll post about it on my YouTube channel. Like that just felt like a natural progression for me to be able to share and kind of like, you know, show up for my followers in that way and give them that kind of, you know, nurturing to feel like they're not alone, just to have like that kind of a space to really get vulnerable. Cause I can't be like that on my Instagram stories with my brides. I can't be sharing a story of an experience and then being like, that was, that was me. So that's why I share it on my newsletter. I mean, I hope that it's just stylist on there, <laughs> but like when I'm sharing content on Instagram, I am very aware now of the split that I have. I'm very aware of my audience and how I have stylists who are looking for hair content. They're looking for business education. And I also have brides who, you know, I'm still trying to book with brides and I'm building a team. So I need to post content like that. So I kind of just like to have that split of knowing who my audience is makes it a little bit easier. So what does your content creation routine look like now? I was a little nervous for this question because I'm going to be totally an open book with you that I don't really have one right now. I'm reconfiguring it. I feel like there's baking content and then there's batching content. Batching content has always been really helpful for me. Right before my wedding, I knew I was going to be going away. So I kind of batched a lot of content and I was batching like two days in a month and just really filming reels. I was going through my phone, looking at any hair photos that I have, editing them. And I use an app called Planoli to plan out all my content. We're visual people. So I need that like visual of the schedule. But right now I'm more in like a baking phase because I've kind of changed my content. I saw what's been working. A lot more people are liking like vlogs and daily things like that, which has felt really fun for me as like the content creator, Marissa. So I kind of changed my strategy to just doing it at the beginning of the week, kind of like going over everything that I did that weekend. And then like, I'll take a Monday and I'll edit all my videos. I'll do my voiceovers and things like that. And then I'll plan it out on Instagram and plan only. So that's kind of where I'm at now. I'm not really doing like the monthly batching anymore because that just it's not feeling aligned with where I'm at right now. I don't really want to batch it in time because nine times out of 10, when I would do that, I would be changing things anyway. Cause I'm like, Oh, I have this idea and I'd be adding stuff in. So it's a lot easier as a creative, like when I have those ideas pop up to not be, that's why I'm loving TikTok right now. I can just post on there. I don't have to worry about what my grid looks like. I don't have to worry about any of that. I'm like, Oh, I'm just post. I just post on there. Versus Instagram, I I think it is a myth and a disservice if you think that aesthetics still don't matter on Instagram because they do. Not as much, but they do matter. They do matter on your feed. So I do try to still keep like cohesive aesthetics on there for my feed, which just takes more brain power from me. So that's why I'm liking the baking at the top of the week and scheduling out my content for the week versus for the month. That's just been what's working for me personally. But I think I've built those habits over time. So it's easier for me to do that now, if that makes sense. If I was someone starting out, I would probably build that habit of batching. Because batching, I can do that in like two hours. You know what I mean? I can do that my whole week. Versus when I started out, it would take a lot longer than that. 
but I think that's just where I'm at now. And it's just making more sense and making my life feel more balanced to be able to just do it once a week. And then I can be more creative on Instagram and, you know, show up more authentically, which is what I'm trying to do. I have to say one thing I've, I've learned about you from this conversation is that it seems like you live your life and your business really in the moment of how you're feeling. And I think that takes a lot of introspection to do that. I, for example, really, really struggle with it. I almost realized too late that I need the rest. (laughs) You know, it's too late. We're too far gone at that point. And I just love that you're talking about like, this isn't working for me anymore. So I'm changing it up. I'm switching it up. And I'm being really honest about that. It's really authentic. How, if you had to give me any advice on that, what would you say to me right now? How do you do that? Um, okay. So first self-awareness is going to, I think entrepreneurial journey, what I've learned of a lot of like podcasts and YouTube that I watch is that it is a personal development journey. (laughs) So personal development breeds self-awareness. And when you're self-aware, it's an emotional roller coaster. So just know that like being able to let like, I don't know, I feel like now learning to go with my emotions, instead of like feeling I need to be so rigid in a routine is emotional. There are days where I like cry because I'm like, I'm not productive, you know, like, and I have those days, I have those bad times, or, you know, those moments where I'm just like, Uh, I could be a better entrepreneur. But, you know, I I think I've learned that I need to just trust myself more and trust that like this engine that I've built through that hustle year, that sacrifice year is still a flywheel that just keeps on going around. And if I want to take a month off of social media, like I did for my wedding, my business isn't going to implode. It's still going to be there. And just trusting that I took all of those action steps to build this thing, it's going to take a lot longer to take it away. Like there would have to be like years and years of not showing up. I think that just like self-awareness and feeling like I, I can trust myself and having that evidence behind me of this is what I have set up for the year. I have this many brides booked that I start giving myself like those conviction reminders of like, I have all this evidence stacked up that I'm doing the right damn thing. You know what I mean? Sometimes you just need to remind yourself, like, look how far I came. Look how far I came. I am a badass who made it all the way here. And it's not even like you're being, um, you know, self-absorbed or whatever. Like, no, you did the damn thing. So you should always remind yourself. I feel like I'm always reminding myself, like, it's not every day somebody builds like a multiple six-figure business. That's pretty cool. It's not every day that somebody could say, I have flexibility in my career. And if I want to take a month off, it's my engines are still going to run. You know what I mean? Like that self-awareness. Is there anything you could recommend? Just quick tips right now. Is there anything like camera wise, setup wise that you can recommend to just level up your content game? Um, To level up your content game, I think you're going to want to download an app outside of Instagram to edit your videos. It's going to make it easier for you. I use CapCut, whatever it is for you. Some people use InShot. Just really learn how that works and just stay consistent with one. If you're trying all the other ones because you see another content creator uses that one versus this one, just stick with one. Stick with one. I say find something and stick with it for 30 days. 
So find a tripod, stick with that for 30 days. Find a video editing app, stick with that for 30 days, you know, and see how that works for you. Also find like a content editing style that you love that is in line with your brand and stick with that for 30 days. Constantly changing it up, you're not going to build the habits of how to use those things. Rule of thumb that I use, I'm going to speak, I guess, in videos because that's what I've been posting a lot more. So for reels, when I'm filming and editing them, things that I looked into that are helpful for me is you want to change your scene every two seconds. So I was actually like watching a movie and I was looking at the scenes and I was counting how many times they would change from one scene to the next, to a different focal point, to a different visual is always two seconds. So when I'm editing, if that clip is longer than two seconds, I'm going to split it in half and maybe do a little zoom in. So that's going to be more engaging. It's going to keep your viewers more engaged. So that way they'll watch longer. Also know for TikTok, their priority is views. So whether or not your video has a lot of engagement, like likes and comments, that doesn't really matter on how their algorithm is going to push it out to new viewers. They're focusing on how long are they watching your content. So you want it to be an engaging video. So you could do that by adding text, by adding zooms, changing that scene every two seconds. So that's the way that that's the mindset I have when I'm editing my videos versus Instagram. They're focused on engagement. So they don't care how many views you have. That doesn't matter in their algorithm pushing out your content. They're focused on comments, likes, shares, saves. So that's how much somebody's engaging with your content. If you notice when you're on Instagram, people that you that you engage with the most, their content is always the first that's shown to you. Their stories are always what pops up first for you. So it's important when you're posting on Instagram to be live in the moment. Versus TikTok, you don't really need to be. You could just kind of post and ghost. Instagram, you can't really do that. You have to be active. So posting on Instagram, if I'm going to post a reel, I make sure that I'm like able to have that time to kind of respond to comments as soon as they come in or you know, just engage with people. Go back to my other posts and comment back and make sure that you're engaging with your community. Because if you're posting like really bomb content that's beautiful and you're like I'm not getting any any views my reels are really down think of it more from our perspective of what's the engagement like on your post are people saving it are they sharing it you know that I would switch the mindset to that so that'll really up level your content when I'm like filming I'm now it's a new it's still a new thing for me I'm like filming my clients doing like tutorials with like a voiceover kind of a thing so I'm still a newbie there, but I'm finding, (laughs) I'm finding things that are helpful with filming of my clients is I have a tripod. It's on my Amazon store. I forget the name of it, but it's like a very sleek design and small and compact that I could take anywhere. Um, but I will say it's still a little nerve wracking to pull that guy out, put my camera on it because you know, when you're at bridal, everybody's staring at you, everybody. They're staring, like, it's still a little uncomfortable because they're like, you're filming? What are you doing? So what when I'm actually filming on site with my client with a tripod, I have two places I like to put it. I like to put it directly behind my client so I can get the back of their head. And then I like to midway through, take it and move it to another visual. So I have two scenes. So it'll be behind them and then on the side of them. So that's going to get two kind of visual focal points. 
And what I've realized in editing the like super long videos that I have, I use like a one second clip. I'm realizing that I am editing at the part of the action. So what I mean is like when I'm doing a low bun on a client, I like crimp their hair. I, you know, you're sectioning, you're doing all these things, but now I'm going to be filming at the part where I'm doing the action when I'm putting a pin in the hair, because that's where I'm editing is the action. I'm editing like right before the action. And then as soon as the action happens, editing right there. So that's like one clip. Next clip is going to be like me putting it into a ponytail. So when I'm filming, I film in long clips, but now they're not as long. It's not like me setting up my camera and filming the entire hour long service. That is just not going to work for my iPhone storage. So I film in like two minute videos. (laughs) That's what I've learned the other day. Yesterday, actually, I did a tutorial. It was my first one because I've not really been able to do much content makeup wise for a little while. And I thought, you know what? I need to get my dipper toe back into it. And within like 20 minutes, this bad boy ran out of storage. Yeah. Yeah, it'll get you. Uh, It will. It will get you and you have to borrow someone else's phone. (laughs) Great tips though. Honestly, I love the one about the the two seconds and then change it up. I love that. I read something recently that said, it was on TikTok actually, and she said that people now, we do not have the capacity or the attention span to watch you doing a full skincare or a full, you know, like tonguing, or even just to watch a day in your life without any context to it. You have to add like a story time. It has to be quick. It has to be snappy. The way people are consuming content is really changing. And I I love that tip. I'm going to take that tip. Something that I've been doing with like how you said to further your point of like, people don't just want to watch a story time. I followed someone who was saying, don't make selfish vlogs. So like if you're starting out with your vlogs, if you go back on my vlogs, like I, I try not to make it all about me. I try to make it about like me cleaning my kit, you know, because that's going to be helpful to somebody else to see like how I set up my kit and all those things. Or like if you're doing something about your client, think of it like how can I, if I'm doing a voiceover layover, how can I make this helpful for my client of like talking about her hair type what showing maybe like the inspiration photo of like the transformation that we did. Don't make it all about you. You're like add a little bit of yourself in there because what I am finding is clients like to see the behind the scenes. It's actually the mentality of Instagram has changed totally from like 2020 where it was like, no, you're being selfish. Don't ever talk about you. Only talk about your clients. We're moving into more of like, You need to add a little bit of yourself in there. You need to add more of your personal brand in there along with your business because that's how people are going to relate and connect with you and see the different aspects of you. Like with my voiceovers, I feel like I try to add a little bit of my personality in there, which is like sarcastic and, you know, goofy. So I just adding a little bit of your personality in there, but still giving like value to your audience, whether it's clients, brides you know, stylist, if you're trying to do education or things like that, still make it about them and be aware of like who your audience is that you're giving this content to. Absolutely. Oh, I actually wish we had 
another hour to talk to each other because I feel like we've not even bloody touched <laughs> any of the topics that I said about. But next time, next time, do you have time for a game? Yeah. Yeah, cool. It's a really cool, quick fire round. It's called Smashing the Gate. I do this with all of my guests. The whole kind of premise behind by Kaylee is we're trying to smash down the gates of gatekeeping so that everybody yes. has access. Yeah, right. Anti-gatekeeping. I feel like I should get a tattoo of that. Yes. <laughs> T-shirt. So, yeah. Oh my God. Good idea. Um, so this is just a quick fire round, but obviously you can totally elaborate on some of these questions, but happy for me to fire them at you. Yeah. Let's do it. Okay. Question number one. What is one thing that an artist or a stylist can do today to get a booking? Check your DMs. Oh, okay. I know. I know. I know. I know. We are in the anti DM and I see it in everybody's profile. No DMs, no DMs. I get it. I get it. It's annoying. Check your DMs. I'm telling you, somebody is probably in there wanting to book with you. It's like money sitting in your messages. I'm telling you, if I was to go back and start over in today's world, I would 3000% be encouraging DM conversations in every single one of my captions and DMing with people and then moving them to like my inquiry form. But I would have that conversation in my DMs. I would never put in my bio DMs only. When you think about it, if Instagram's your marketing funnel and that's how people are finding you, their, their comfortability level right now is DMs. I personally am the worst with my DMs. Um, I'm so sorry. I suck at them. It is overwhelming with the messages. But if I was just starting out and building my book, DMs. I would DM people and I would also comment on, like, if, if you're, a, I'm a hairstylist, so I would comment on makeup artist posts, just like, that to me is like networking into in 2023. DMs, commenting on vendors posts. That's what I would do. I, I want to add on to that a little bit as well. I, I love chatting in the DMs. I'm quite an open book in the DMs. Sometimes I'm a little bit slow, but generally I'm a DM kind of girl. And I've noticed a correlation between my students, so people who sign up for my programs and a DM chain. So it's very, very likely that if I, somebody is going to book onto my program, if I've had a DM conversation with them, that doesn't mean that I go out and inauthentically have DM conversations. It's just a little trend that I've kind of noticed. If somebody knows you, has talked to you, has a rapport with you and has had a really nice conversation with you, that's them warming up to you as a customer. So I, I, I really agree with that. I don't necessarily like on my makeup business, I don't like to book people in the DMs, but I think you're totally, totally right. Having conversations with people in the DMs, it's the social part of social media, right? Right. And you're meeting them where they're at. That's where they're comfortable. Like, obviously, they know there's a link in your bio. But for some reason, they want to have a conversation with you first. And it feels more authentic. Do I wish I could book more brides in my DMs? Yes, but I would, it would be overwhelming. But I would, I wouldn't actually take that back. I wouldn't book brides in my DMs. I would have a conversation in there. And then I would send them my inquiry form. Yes, yes, yes. I love that. I love that. Okay. Question number two, what would you say to the artist or stylist living in fear right now? They're in their fear mindset. <gasps> what kind of fear is it? Is it financial fear? Is it I'm not good enough oh. fear? Is it, I don't know. I would identify what kind of fear it is. 
okay, let's give them a fear. Fear of it not working out. Fear of them having to pack it all in. Okay. I've been there with this fear. Okay. So fear of it not working out, change that mindset to do inverse thinking and write down, okay, what would I have to do for it not to work out? Or what would I have to do for it to work out? And think of those possibilities instead of staying in that mental turmoil of it's not going to work out. It's not going to work out because what you're doing, I think for me personally, that was easy to stay stuck there because I had that mindset and that's all my brain was picking up on in my daily life, if that makes sense. So when I had that mindset, it was taking to heart the advice from people who aren't where I want to be and taking that as fact versus it's not. So if you have that fear, I think what helped me is you want to surround yourself with people who are where you want to be because it's reassurance and it's furthering the muscle memory in your brain and it's changing that thinking that you have to what it's not going to work out to what if it works out. So what if it works out? What are the possibilities? I'm big on visualization. So even taking it a step further and visualizing how would I feel if it works out? What I feel like, oh my God, look, my, hey, look, mom, I made it. You know, like I, <laughs> this is so lame. When I was in that mindset to try to get myself out, I would constantly listen to the song by Post Malone, Congratulations. And it's still, when it puts, when it, when I hear that song, I get teary eyed because I know that feeling of it's not going to work out. So I would put that song on and think like, if it works out, I'm going to play the song. I'm going to pop a bottle of champagne, you know, and I'm just going to be like, damn, I made it, you know, and it just changes your mindset for that moment. And hopefully you can take that moment of that thinking change to extend longer throughout the day, you know? And that's not lame at all. That is not lame at all. <laughs> I put on a Carly Rae Jepsen song and I think your song is probably a little bit cooler than my Carly Rae Jepsen. <laughs> oh, I like Carly. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Biggest myth you want to bust about our industry? There's two that I would want to bust. It's that you have to do hair and makeup to make it in this industry. Oh, I just had this conversation the other day that there is a glass ceiling on your income based on where you live. Like that actually it's that one. I did a one-on-one lesson on Sunday and she was from Alabama and she was telling me how she's in, you know, like a smaller town or whatever, but they have, you know, it's a very wealthy area, but it's very small. There's not a lot of bridal hairstylists and to me I'm like gold mine. Chit check, like you you hit the gold mine. But there's still we were having the conversation there's still this mindset that we have that depending on our area, we can't charge X, Y, Z if we want. You can, because if you think about it, everybody else is charging so much lower below you. And then here you are raising it up. Somebody looking at that, if you have that value behind it, you can't, you can't just change your rate without having the value behind it. Okay. There's a lot of mindset. I think that goes into pricing your rates. But when I started out, I just looked There's so many. Not having your pricing on your website, that's a big one for me. Because when I was starting out, I had nothing to look to. And when I would look at other people's websites of like what they were charging, I would have to inquire with them, which is like, I think an old school marketing tactic. 
2023. People want to know, even as a bride, that was so annoying. Um, but, but I think being able to charge whatever you want, because if you're only charging what somebody else is because you saw that on their website or that to you signals, this is the industry standard. I can't go above that. And that is a total myth to me. You can go above. There is absolutely no glass ceiling on what you can do. Cause at the end of the day, this is your business. Like, and people forget that like in Pennsylvania, 90,000 people get married a year. 90,000. So you can't tell me that your market is capped and that there's not a market for you because guess what, baby girl, there is. There's a market for you. You just got to find them. Absolutely. 100%. I always say the girlies are in your area wearing Gucci, Chanel, Celine, Hermes. They can afford you. Yes. (laughs) Yes. They can afford you. You know, so it's all, like you said, it's all mindset. It's all mindset, but I completely agree. There's no glass ceiling. And I think you're the proof in the pudding of that. Um, (laughs) Okay. One tool in your business that you can't live without. One tool. Mm. Oh, it's not even a tool. It's not like a hair tool. It's my bridal dashboard. I have a bridal dashboard that I created and it houses all of my bridal hair trials, like all the details for the wedding day, the wedding timeline. Like I am constantly in that thing, just reviewing the details and like conversations I have with brides. I use it on the day of, it's got their phone number in there. So I can text them from it on the wedding morning. It has all my assistant pay. So I'm able to track it in there. It has how many weddings I'm doing for the year. So it's more of like a data tracker as well. I'm a, I'm a data nerd. So I like doing those kinds of things. And I also have a client tracking system that I use as well. Yeah, my my dashboard, that tool. CRM system will pay you back in time tenfold. Okay, last question. What is one piece of advice you would give to a newer artist or a newer hairstylist who is stuck maybe in like the 20K bracket, 20, 30K bracket? What advice would you give to them to get to the next level? I would say to get to the next level, one You don't have the evidence right now in your mind that you can get there, but you will. You need to build that evidence through actions. So being at that 20K level, there's likely, I I already know probably things that you're doing. So you're probably not niched down enough and you're probably offering too many services. So it's very confusing to people who want to book with you. You need to go down to one cert, really nail it all down and let go of that mindset that you need to do more to make more. You need to take it all down. So it's not confusing to clients who want to book with you. They need to go on your page, your Instagram and know within like three seconds, how you can help them and how you can serve them. I used to think that like, Oh, brides don't have a hairstyle in mind of what they want to do. They do. They know the exact glam wave that they want. So they are searching for a glam wave specialist. Be that be that for a long time and build the habits to create the actions and the actions will breed the confidence and the conviction that you can get there. Finally, the biggest, biggest thank you for coming on today. I know how busy you are. I know how many brides you have. And I'm just so, so grateful to have interviewed you and just 
all of the stuff that you've shared. Thank you for breaking down gatekeeping with me. Thank you for having me. Thank you for this opportunity. I feel like I found a soul sister across the pond. I'm so happy that I was able to be here. This is really cool. Me too. Thank you so much. Where can everybody find you? Um, like everywhere. So Instagram at Marissa Grace Artistry. I have a newsletter, the Diary of the Bridal Pro, and I'm also on YouTube too, at Marissa Grace Artistry. So check me out. Amazing. Thank you so, so much. I cannot recommend your content enough. I think it's so, so inspiring for artists and stylists alike. I just love what you do for the community. So thank you so, so much for being here today. My biggest, biggest, biggest gratitude is coming through the screen to you right now. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. You have been listening to a podcast by Kaylee. Thank you so much for tuning in today and being on this mission with me to self-improvement and taking steps towards financial empowerment. If you liked what you heard today, be sure to follow me on the gram at Designs, where I post pretty much daily. I would also love to hear your thoughts, feedback and energy. So please do leave me a review on iTunes, Spotify or wherever you are listening today. In the meantime, I want you to go forward, believe in yourselves and be the change you want to see. Bye, guys.